0: You know, and yeah, he still resonates. I mean, it's a different generation of guys, you know, coming after LeBron's, you know, generation. But the, the elder statesman right now in the NBA, guys like LeBron, they grew up with Michael Jordan as their their touchstone in terms of all-time greats.
1: It's the future.
0: Down in distance, on
2: WGN Talking
1: with Seku Smith find his work on nba tv. Doc, nba.com and nba tv and the hang time podcast. So this is perfect segue. You were talking we talked about the Knicks, and the Lakers, uh, the Warriors, and if in that basically almost in that order, the NBA most valuable teams by Forbes Knicks 3.3 billion, the Lakers 3 billion, Warriors jumped up to 2.6 billion and then coming at number 4, 2.5 billion. Isn't it funny that the bookends
2: on that list are probably the two worst run organizations in the NBA right now? Dude, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. And just to think about. It, I can understand, Sekou. Listen, why change anything? We're, we're worth $2.5 billion. I mean, we don't need no changes. People are still putting butts in the seats at the UC. Don't matter how bad the product is, we could be beefing with each other through Twitter and Instagram, liking each other's posts and, and commenting on each other's posts. You talk about an issue. A team. This Bulls team has made me pull all my hair out, and I don't have that it's much. A just, civic
2: albatross.
1: Yeah, man. I don't get what's going on. I can't tell what they're trying to do, even through the rumor mills. I don't get it. nothing makes sense to me about this Bulls team.
0: I don't think it makes sense internally, and that's why you've seen the turmoil, you know, and, and the upheaval within that locker room, within that organization, man. And sometimes I tell people all the time, when you win it and win at a championship level over a sustained period of time, you handle it one of two ways. You handle it like the Lakers, and you get caught up in the moment without, you know, looking around the corner to see what might be coming down the road. Or you handle it like the Spurs. And you prepare to, to enjoy that success for the long term. Not as long as you have this star or this, you know, compilation of players in place but you plan on enjoying it for as long as you can sustain a championship-level business model on and off the floor. The Bulls are still living off of, in in their minds as an organization, and in, on the Forbes list and everything else, they're still living off the value of what Michael Jordan did. And to me, when, player, when you talk about player worth and how much money a guy should get on a contract, Chicago Bulls should be paying Michael Jordan thirty million dollars a year until Michael Jordan is is dust and gone.
2: You know because what? Say, cool. Settle something. they living
0: off the benefits of that forever. Yeah, you
2: can settle something for us right now because there are a lot of fans that are split on this. You mentioned Michael Jordan. You see what he means being brought into the conversation with Dolan and Oakley. You know his brand when it comes to pushing sneakers. Tell tell me about Michael Jordan, what he means to these young players because they think there's a gap between the LeBron generation and even the players that are coming into the NBA now and that they might not even know the relevance and the importance of Michael Jordan. Does his name still ring out throughout the NBA to all of these players and the way the Bulls treated him is that still known throughout locker rooms? Yeah,
0: well, look, that was that was the Bulls fault for not embracing Michael Jordan and what he would mean to the game, you know, at large for the remainder of his life. Um, you know, and, yeah, he still resonates. I mean, it's a different generation of guys, you know, coming after LeBron's, you know, generation. But the, the elder statesman right now in the NBA, guys like LeBron, they grew up with Michael Jordan as their their touchstone in terms of all-time greatness. Kobe might have been the guy that they watched playing as a young guy and emulator. Alan obviously might have been the guy that they looked to uh, you know, for the cool factor and wanting to be like AI culturally. But when you're talking about greatness, it's the same thing that Dr. J went through when he was in the ABA and came into the NBA and there was a generation of players, you know, guys in that, in that era that played with Michael Jordan. Talk to them about Dr. J and you'll get the same kind of reverence. For him and his game, and what he meant to the game on and off the floor. There have only been a handful of, of players to come through the NBA that resonated with people in ways like Jordan does. Magic, Bird, you know, I, truly iconic players who established a, a foundation, you know, a, for the game around the world, you know, all over the globe. And I'm telling you, Michael Jordan's impact on this thing. Lives forever. I mean, I'm talking it, not just a, a brand, not just the Jumpman shoe, you know, logo and the shoes and the gear. And you see young kids, you know, I'm talking about. Then Michael Jordan was the first dude to hit the game that, that really crashed through all areas, you know, every segment of the population. I knew people when I was a kid, women who didn't even watch like basketball who knew Michael, Michael Jordan, who knew the name. Who knew the smile, who fell in love with him, the charisma, the whole thing, you know. There there's something to be said for that. And the fact that he uses it at the at the elite, you know, executive level now for the NBA is a testament to Michael Jordan. The fact that the Bulls weren't able to capitalize on that are short too short sighted to understand what he would mean and the relevance he would have this this long after he stopped playing, that's on the Bulls. That's that's their fault. I you know, you still walk in that arena and the security guards from the joint, there who act like Mike is still down the hall. You know that's how fresh that feeling is in their minds. But it didn't translate upstairs. It just it didn't make the same impact upstairs. I,
1: I don't get. I don't understand. I don't understand how we're talking about big money people. How do they not have either advisors or people around them to not see the what long term he could have done being a part of. This city and that organization just that it doesn't make sense to me. When I look at big time money, people say, coup, and they always got a person that's looking out for the books. One guy doing this, looking at projections down the line. How could you have not have seen that this dude was going to be bigger than life? And that, I mean, you talk about what they're making now. Can you imagine if you're still a part of the organization?
0: Um, look, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you exactly how. And I remember these conversations being had, in, in, the, in the stories I read. Um, you know, back when they were breaking their bullseep up. Jay Krause and other people in the organization and truly in their heart of hearts believe they were the reason for all that success. Oh, they, you know, had the naive viewpoint that it was something that they had orchestrated as opposed to something that was born out of and, and blossomed because of the greatness of Michael Jordan. And it happens a lot of times. There's, there's a professional... Arrogance that goes into doing jobs like that. Well, you really believe that it's it's you and not them. There, there are people who are probably sitting around believing in New England that the reason the Patriots have had the success they've had is because of their system or the way they do business, and so on, and not because they have an all-time great, iconic, you know, touchstone player in Tom Brady, arguably the greatest winner in the history of the National Football League. Right. There's somebody in New England who really believes that because they go into a conference room or a or executive boardroom and make decisions around that, that they have more to do with the success of the New England Patriots football team than Tom Brady does. I would tell them there's no empirical data that would suggest anything of the sort. And the same goes for the Bulls and the way they treated Michael Jordan, the Lakers and how they, you know, treated Magic Johnson after Dr. Bus passed away. There are certain players who have a social capital that organizations can never get on their own, but only get because of their affiliation with their player. And if you don't recognize that as an organization, then that's your short-sightedness that's going to cost you at some point.
1: And
2: you mentioned that. Is there any way? I mean, is Jimmy Butler, moving Jimmy Butler the light switch, because it's a double-edged sword. You talked mm-hmm. about the front office dropping the ball because of the belief they had in themselves being the reason for those six championships. They have to take the blame for the demise of this organization at this point in time. Is Jimmy Butler that saving grace that could actually get them back into rebuilding and possibly moving into a different direction instead of being stuck in basketball hell,
0: as we call it? I don't I don't know if you can put that all on Jimmy Butler by himself. You know, I don't think it's fair to put him in that situation. Teams have done that before, you know, hitching a wagon to a player and thinking he can take us back to where we were, you know, at some other glorious time. it's not that easy. You know, and every every good or great player, every all-star player, is not cut out to be a transcendent player, a guy who moves the needle beyond the floor and, and puts you in an elevated position, you know, to, to chase championships and be relevant, you know, at that level. I, I think Jimmy Butler, to me, is without question one of the best players in the league, one of the elite two-way players in All-Star. I don't know if Jimmy Butler is a superstar, a tentpole player who you can bring in other pieces around him and he elevates everybody's game to another level in the fashion that a guy – like LeBron James does, And th- and that's not a knock on Jimmy Butler. That's just a fact. If we had 30 of those guys running around, there wouldn't be all these teams crying about being in the lottery and trying to rebuild all the time. I mean, they are only, at a given time in in the NBA, four to six transcendent talent capable of transforming the franchise. And that's-, and that's being generous. You know, a lot of times there's one or two guys that can do that. You know, who are the guys that you can take off, whatever team you're on now, Put them on any other team, no matter what the circumstance in the league, and elevate them to a championship level. Most people will tell you right like, now it's one guy that you could do that with. Nets Lebron.
2: Bring in Lamelo Ball. Drop that ninety-two. If I drop that
0: ninety-two, <laughs> Dad's ain't gonna do it again hey, on man. him
1: too. <laughs> Look,
0: if I played as little defense as I saw Lamelo Ball playing on that video, I should be able to get a hundred and ninety-two points. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. No offense to be ball, I think he'd be dude I ain't trying to eat. I'm not trying to get on his rough pass. Now. right, but defense is optional on that on that chino hills thing they they play defense if they
2: feel like it. should they think about moving Jimmy Butler to get in position to draft somebody like yes. Alonzo ball?
0: yes, because if you're not serious about building around Jimmy Butler, then you need to do him do the, do the right thing by him and allow him to go somewhere else and be a piece to a championship team and not use him as the scapegoat, you know, which is what they've done. It's the same thing the Knicks have done to Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Like, don't use me as a scapegoat during the prime of my career and then try and throw me away after you realize the mistakes you've made and it, it make me the reason that, that, you know, we're not having the success you think we should. Jimmy Butler should have an opportunity to play – on you know, on the highest level he can during the prime of his career and not be held hostage by the dysfunction of the front office of the Chicago Bulls.
1: Well, Sekou, that, I mean, that leads me to this next question then. So Casey Johnson here in Chicago, who covers the Bulls, put out, you know, the report that he was talking to sources saying that Garn Packs are good. No matter if this team does not, they're untouchable. Even if they don't make it to the playoffs, to me, it's too early to be saying somebody's untouchable and knowing, looking at the, the, the issues that go on in that front office, it, to me, it, things don't change unless it changes at the top. And right now it doesn't look like anything's ever going to change at the top.
0: Dysfunctional. I'm telling you, that, that is the picture of a dysfunctional organization. You know, when teams – seriously, when you're be a when you're an NBA team and if your owner wakes up in the morning can't look himself in the mirror and say, we're exhausted all options to win at the highest level, no matter, you know, no matter feelings, be damned, you know, personal relationships, you know, out the window, how are we doing everything it takes to, to be a championship caliber and level organization? If you can't do that as an owner, then, then ultimately it's on you. So I don't blame Don Pax for taking advantage of security that they maybe haven't earned. They're doing what anybody would do, self-preservation. At the end of the day, is, is most important. But I'll tell you this. Bulls fans make, need to make sure they direct their eye at the right place. It's not at the roster. It's not at D. Wade or Jimmy Butler or Rondo or those young boys that have been drafted or Fred Hoiberg even. It, you know, they aim, ain't aim a little higher on the food chain in Chicago than that.
2: That's real talk. And at that
0: front office and that ownership, because that's where ultimately the responsibility lies. And explain this to me
2: from a GM standpoint. You just spoke about it. Jimmy Butler is a star, might not be that transcendent superstar, but how can an organization that has clearly had an opportunity to say, this is our guy moving forward. We're going to build around him and win with him. So obviously you don't think and believe that he's that guy, but yet and still, when you look at trade offers, what you're asking in return is a harvest equal to a guy that is that type of guy. Like at some yeah. point, like your perception has to change. You have to be more realistic about what you're going to get back for this particular guy or nothing will ever happen.
0: Yeah, that's that's a trade game, though. Everybody does that. They don't they don't want to give up the guy that they need to get rid of for the king's ransom that they think they deserve for that guy. Yeah, every
2: you can't win
0: every trade. 100%. Yeah, and that's, can't. that comes from everybody trying to flee somebody else in a trade. And, and my thing is, look, if I value this player the way I want you to value him in the trade, then i got to be realistic about what I'm getting back in return. Absolutely. i got to know i got to give something up to get assets in return. I'm going to tell you, it's it's a folly to believe that you're going to give up a, a, a tangible asset, a player who you know exactly who what he is, no matter what level of player he is, for a – a draft pick or a potential you know asset that you think can be greater to the sum of what said player is right now. That's always been to me a foolish way to look at this. Well, you know, if we trade this guy and we get a first round pick in this draft where there are a lot of great players and this first round pick turns into – man, that's too much that's too much extrapolating for me. So you know, before. I'm I'm kinda g i am i am kind of I need an asset that I can put my hands on when I when I make a trade.
2: All right, big bro, before we let you go, there's a certain team in the Eastern Conference. When I watch them play right now, I get this little tingling sensation. Like, they excite me. But I kind of stop myself from getting too excited because I'm like, oh, they might let me down. This might be like the girl you dance with with the lights off. And then when they come on, it's like, oh, my God. You know, when the playoffs hit and the big lights come, you start to see, oh, man all of these flaws. I'm speaking about the Washington Wizards. They're the hottest team in the NBA. Everybody talks about Boston and Toronto with the move they made to get Serge Ibaka contending against LeBron James. What I saw that game last week is it possible that Washington ends up in the Eastern Conference Finals and gives Cleveland all they can handle? Yes.
0: Yes. And I'm going to tell you one reason why and and one very important reason, it's a lost art in the NBA. Um, and I sat down with the chat a couple of weeks ago when he got announced as an All-Star for the fourth time. And John Wall is playing with, with a plate of internal armor on his chest that allows him to elevate the games of the dudes around him. He, you know, his confidence level is already on proof. so he knows... And he's one of the best players in the league. That's not a question for him. Now he's becoming one of the best leaders in the league. And I'm talking about knowing how to go at dudes, with, you know, and, and, and push their buttons to get the best out of them without having them shut down on them, without having them, you know, fight back or, or recoil at the idea of John Wall stepping to him, in a, you know, in a tense situation. Nobody wants to lead like that in the NBA anymore. Everybody wants to, you know, stand around and let everybody else do their own thing and hey, we'll figure it out once we get in court. Now, if you want to win and win big and take a group of dudes from one level to the next, from a playoff level to the next level, or you know, from the lottery to the playoff, you gotta have a leader willing to be that dog out there. And John Wall, next time you see him. In a locker room, step to him and just have a conversation. It's, it's a grown man leadership that is devoid on a lot of teams and in a lot of locker rooms in this league right now. He's not worried about being anybody's buddy. He ain't worried about your Instagram feed and this, that, and the other. John Wall's trying to win every night. And if you ain't rocking with him and trying to win, get you, you have to stick out And And we treat the opposition the same way. That's what you got to have if you're going to challenge LeBron in Cleveland for that top spot in the East. You at least got to have that as the basis for what you're building on. And there are not many teams that have. I think Boston is developing that in Isaiah Thomas. But you got to have a guy who looks at LeBron, wants what he has, and is willing to sacrifice to get it and to push you as his teammates to do the same thing. And Washington has that in John Wall.
2: Right now is the perfect climate tease teams to come get Jimmy Butler. Do it. Like Cleveland is vulnerable. Come get him. Come get him. Come give us the picks. I'll take Jalen Brown. I'll take Rozier. I'll take that uh, Brooklyn pick, one of your Boston picks. Let's get it done. Let's get it
0: pop. Let's get it it's done. done by, it be done by next Thursday Thank if you. I'm Boston. I'll make that deal
2: happen. Yes, sir. So, you know, we're trying to be nice before we let you go. Don't do it to him. I had to. He opened the door nah, when do he started talking don't. about Tom Brady, man. Don't okay? do it. I just want to know, you know, are the gentlemen's clubs back in business? Because I know they probably were shut down for about at least a weekend, you know, after that Super Bowl choke. <laughs> I know. Look, the, the depression hit that Look. city. It's all, it's all, I know it hit hey, that city. Hey, people were
1: still working on Houston, so it you was know, all good. They you, could had, go you had,
2: you had T.I. and Usher and all these greats from ATL <laughs> having to apologize yeah. on Snapchat after coming up at halftime. And-
0: I'm behind any lines down here. You know, I'm in a- <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I know
2: you're a Mississippi me,
0: guy. Shout out to Jack State. You know, yeah, I'm a Jackson State guy. You know, because we're born and raised in Michigan, a Michigan fan since birth. So I'm, you know, Tom Brady, you know, uh, Alan Brown, anybody with a Michigan connection on that on that Patriots team, would have my support. <laughs> I told people I was at a I was at a house party. One of my boys I was watching the Super Bowl. I told them. At halftime, they all asked, oh, your boy Brady is driving. I said, listen, he's going to break your hearts. I watched him do it at Michigan when he was in college. I'm like, they will come back in the second half. I said, I'm going to win the game. but Tom Brady is not going out like this. They ran me out the house, of course, by, you know, late in the, in the regulation. Like, they want to be gone. With all the trash I was talking. This city will not recover anytime soon. Cool. I said the same uh, the economy, thing. The economy will come back. But no. Emotionally, they won't recover any time soon. No,
2: happened. Man, if you Pretty were in soon. that huddle or on that locker room, it was would you have done something to Kyle Shanahan?
1: <laughs>
0: I just want to know, Pete. You've get been it. in the locker room. One of the dudes I was mad at, you know. No. But I really, I thought, I thought the owner him by coming down there when he did and standing on that sideline, assuming dancing around, anything, yeah. Yeah, like, don't come down here, man, with Tom Brady. Look, that's Tom Brady on the other side over there. And we keep giving him opportunities. Do you really think a cat who's won at that level, he's going to keep getting these opportunities and not cashing in? It, it was I felt almost sad for these people during the comeback. And once they won the, the, the overtime coin toss, no, oh man, you, I mean, oh, it, was, it was a wrap. Yeah, it was a conclusion. Part. Nothing to talk about.
2: It's our big bro mentor. Friend of the program, hey, Appreciate Sekou you. Smith, Sekou Smith NBA on Twitter right now. Hey, stay Appreciate out of, it. hey, bro, stay out of trouble, stay out of trouble. Hey, get, it's, it's called the Big Easy
0: for a reason. For yeah, get the Go Me cranked up now. I might need some help getting
1: home next week. <laughs> I'm, gonna sh- I'm gonna throw you a couple, th- throw you a couple <laughs> drinks down there. I got a couple places. I got a couple tabs still open. So just say hey, cool. All right, say JP. If you get a chance to talk to Anthony
2: Davis by himself, just whispering in his ear, Chicago needs you. Come home. Come home.
0: Come home. i do my best, man. i do my best. So appreciate y'all. All right, all right bro. Peace.
1: All uh, right, no. Sekou Smith here on Down and Distance. Man, always good to talk some basketball. We appreciate you guys for checking us out. Uh, for SD2 mics on Twitter, I'm at Payton Sun P A Y T O N S U N D A D Pod, and also at the Arena Shy. Don't forget to it's hit us arena. up. We're coming back, man. It's always good. As I'm always, a we we're here. I'm just sidekick. Now we're gone.